you missed part one of Andre's story, make sure you go back and listen. It's very important, obviously, to get the first part of her story before you jump into the second one. Um, in that first one, we really just heard her share her heart and the deep sorrow of her story. Um, today, we are talking through it and breaking down the hopes, dreams, and tears that were interwoven throughout it. Andre is such a ray of sunshine and hope, despite all that she and her husband have faced. I really think that you'll be able to feel that radiating through the second part of her story. Let's jump right in. Before we move on to the next part of our discussion and our story, I try to take a moment in all of these interviews to express how thankful I am to every single woman who has stepped up to the plate, especially all of my pioneers who even before it has launched, we haven't heard a single story out in the universe, has said, yes, I believe in what you're doing and I believe that my story will help somebody. Um, so I want to thank you for this deeply sorrowful story that you are sharing with what I can only hope and dream will be hundreds and hundreds of women. Um, and I don't want to discredit the fact that it was a very difficult story to share. We both were tearing up. Yeah. We have two boxes of tissues here. Yes. Yes. Um, so thank you so much for taking the time out of your day and realizing that this is such an important story to share. So I want you to know that you You're are, welcome. I'm so grateful for you for sharing the story and this new connection that oh, we now have. I know, I know. And it's, it's not something that, you know, women want to share with another woman, but just the fact that we could help a woman in her darkest moment yes. to overcome such a painful experience, that makes me so happy that I could potentially help someone. So thank you for having me. You're so welcome. Let's get into um, our next questions that will kind of help us process through this huge story that you just shared. Yeah. At what point, and you can tell about different points during your journey, did you and or your husband get help? So I guess, you know, your prenatal care, you're already getting some kind of assistance. Mm -hmm. They told us they were very upfront what a, um, a fetal demise would look like, what that pregnancy would look like, how I would probably feel. They kind of gave us clues, but after that first ultrasound, they didn't really talk about emotions. They didn't give us any counseling groups, numbers, or anything. Mm. Um, I do remember very quickly reaching out to my family and saying, let's put the brakes on. I know we were all excited. We told you we were so happy, but here's what we found. Mm. And of course, it broke my family's heart that we were having to go through this because we had waited so long to start a family and now this was happening to us mm. and you know my mother-in-law she shared with me that she too had had a miscarriage right after her first pregnancy shortly after she had a miscarriage but she just had to push forward. She had to focus on her baby. She had to focus on her husband. And it wasn't something that she was able to share. But she was able to give me a hug. Cry mm. with me. 
to let me know it was going to be okay and that everything would work out in God's time and God's will. And then something that I've forgotten to share when telling you the story is at the hospital after we had delivered Avery, of course there's women who had provided clothing for the very tiny Mm -hmm. tiny infants to put them in something i didn't know was a thing but i love so much and it's it's amazing like what women do to help other women yes because they have they have seen a need yes they have seen they've probably gone through the very same thing themselves Mm -hmm. and been like my baby didn't have any clothes Mm -hmm. so they sewed and put these beautiful clothes together beautiful Mm -hmm. beautiful outfits i wasn't given one option jolene i was given like four options of clothes to put avery in um and they were beautiful they were all cute um they also took pictures of her they put her name on the picture like somehow digitally mm-hmm, mm-hmm. put her name in the picture and then they had boxes that women had prepared for mothers who had a fetal loss and in the box they had a little clay set where they actually did a footprint so that we would always have a footprint of Avery They had a little bracelet for her. They had a letter to us telling us how sorry they were that we were going through this and that they had gone through this themselves and they understood our pain. Um, They also had um, a list of places that we could get counseling, group sessions and group therapy. And while that was not for us, Mm Um, I have undergone therapy in the past Mm -hmm. and I just, it was too soon for me and I felt like I didn't need it. But then also my husband, his grief was different from mine. Yes. Yep. And he and his culture does not go to group therapy or Mm -hmm. counseling. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like in every step we kind of had some guidance and some way that help was either given to us without asking or people just poured their love Mm. on us and helped us through and that's the the help that you didn't even ask for Mm -hmm. that you didn't reach out to that was just unmerited that was just given to you because they were pouring out of their own loss or their own love is sometimes the most helpful help (laughs) that we could ever ask for exactly and oh it's so beautiful um this is a big question to kind of sum up in a a little part so take your time as much as you need okay after you had lost Avery and you're just staring into the unknown of what happens afterward how did you and your husband cope with that loss afterwards it was very very hard at first because we wanted an answer and sometimes you know that there is no answer Mm -mm. but we really we wanted to know what had happened and we were having we were struggling at first we were really struggling and um 
it wasn't until we finally got all the biopsy results back that we could have a conclusion and fully Mm -hmm. start to begin our healing. Mm -hmm. To have that reassurance from the OB that this probably, it was very, very slim that this could ever happen again. And we knew, I mean, it's crazy. You think about things um, like when you sign up for your marriage license, they say, could you potentially be related? You know, like we knew there was no genetic crossover because <laughs> yes. my uh-huh. husband and I found each other from halfway across the world, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. We knew that that wasn't an issue. And so we just, it took some time and initially it was very hard, yeah. but we were able to overcome it and have, be okay with it once we finally got those biopsy results. Mm. Yeah. Um. And you mentioned throughout your story the effect that this journey and this loss had on your relationships with your family or your husband. Um, You could also include friends in that and church members. So how did this journey affect those relationships? Some people, they just shut down. They don't want to feel your pain. They don't want to share in your pain, even if they've experienced it themselves. Some people just don't do well with loss. Um, And I did have some friends and some co-workers at the hospital who were like that. Then you have other people who they want to share in that with you. They Mm -hmm. want to hold your hand and be there for you and let you know that everything's okay. Um, I know that... For my mother-in-law, she was willing to be there for me, but she herself had not dealt with the loss of her miscarriage, mm. so she couldn't. She was having a hard time with her emotions after the loss of her grandchild. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my father, when he got to the hospital, or no, we had called him, and he was like, "There's no way they can save the baby." There's just no way they can save the baby. And he just was not okay with the fact that once we delivered, she was basically being written off. Mm. That there was no way to save her because he was an LPN at one time. And he just felt like there had to be some way to save her. So I remember him having a full conversation with the residents and the doctors there at the hospital once he got there like there really was nothing you could do Mm -hmm. and they had to explain to him that no she was too early for anything to be done and then my husband my husband um he grieved in a completely different way and he blamed himself even having a nursing and healthcare background he believed somehow he was at fault. Bless his heart. And so when we would cry together, he was crying and blaming himself at times. And it wasn't until I realized that he felt like he hadn't driven fast enough to get to the hospital. Mm -hmm. If he had only driven faster, we could have saved the baby. Or if he had done this right then it wouldn't have happened and it wasn't until I realized that 
those were the issues he was having. I was like, Benjamin, you realize that this was genetic. This was not us. Mm-hmm. This this was something completely different. Everything has to be perfectly lined up to have a, a beautiful, healthy baby. This was not us. This was mm-hmm. not our fault. It didn't matter if we had a helicopter to get to the hospital. <sighs> she would not have made it. Mm. He could not conceptualize that until we had a healthy pregnancy. Mm. He could not fully understand that until many 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 years later and when i say it took us a long time to get pregnant um avery was born in 2013 everly was born in 2019 wow so there were six years Mm. um between the girls it literally took us years to get pregnant we didn't even start for years but it it took us at least two years to get pregnant with everly Mm. But his grief was just, I wish he would have gone to counseling. And he still wouldn't have. I know he wouldn't have. But um, his grief was so much stronger than mine. Really? It was. Mm. And you would think that it would be worse for the mom because she's the one carrying the baby. But his grief was so much worse than mine. And I think it's because even though I felt he had bonded with Avi just by loving on her, knowing that she responded to daddy mm-hmm. because she come from Alpha and under my rib and not cause me any more pain. He just felt, he felt separated from the pregnancy yes. mm-hmm. and he felt helpless in the delivery room. He felt like there wasn't anything he could do to help me. And that's what he is, is he's the protector of the yes. family. He's the mm-hmm. head of the household and in his mind, he should have been able to change this. Mm. And he just, he couldn't. And it wasn't until we had Everly that he was able to, over, able to overcome that grief. I resonate so much with that because in our own miscarriage, obviously physically, it was a lot more difficult for me. I was fortunate enough to be able to stay home and it just felt like a really bad period. But my own husband, as we've been recovering and now trying again and the failure that goes with that month after month after Mm -hmm. month my own husband has admitted like I know that this is harder for you I know that this is a different type of grief and yet even in the different ways that husbands and wives grieve there's still a commonality in that grief that loss is that commonality and the way that we cope with it and the way that we take that deep breath and move on looks different but we still somehow find that way to come together and say you know we're not going to let this grief tear at us Mm -hmm. so much so that we say that we're done with each other because statistics show that the loss of a child so much of the time separates mm-hmm. and ends in divorce or separation or whatever it might be. And so, so many of the stories I've talked to have said, my husband and I at the end of this loss, and as we'll talk to you later, there's really never an end to mm-hmm. the loss. It's just yeah. a learning how to deal with it. But at some point we realize that we are stronger because yes. of it. Um 
And I personally don't take that for granted because I know that so many, that's not their story. They had a loss and then because of whatever was happening in their marriage, they weren't able to keep it together. And I can't imagine like that double loss. So just to say that I'm just so thankful that we were able to come together in our loss because I know that's not the same story for many. Mm-hmm. Um, throughout the healing process, that six years especially, I can't even begin to imagine. Like we've only been trying to get pregnant again for like six or seven months. I can't imagine that span time of years. During that time, what were the triggers for you that took you back to that day or took you back to that time with AV? Like took us back to the feeling of loss Mm -hmm. and so forth. Well, definitely seeing mothers and their children, seeing families. I have this one friend, God love her heart. (laughs) She has gotten pregnant twice while taking birth control. Like she is just a fertile (laughs) myrtle. Like every time I turned around, she was having another baby. Mm -hmm. And before I knew it, she had five little babies all before I had even Everly. Yes. You know, uh-huh. um, and all under the age of like 10 years old. Yeah. <laughs> and so it, it's really hard when you see other women so successfully mm-hmm. get pregnant and have no issues. And they weren't even really trying. I've heard the joke. My husband walks in the room and I get pregnant. <laughs> exactly. I've heard that too. Yes. And it's true for some women. You mm-hmm. know, it's like they're just pregnant every time you turn around. Um, but yeah, um, just seeing the women was a trigger. I guess, you know, that was the biggest thing, but I honestly felt like the way that we overcame that was just talking about it, making her real. We, yes, we lost AV, but she was real. She just wasn't with us. We have her with us all the time. When we look up, we see her. She's on our dresser. Our little one knows that that is big sissy. Mm. She, when people ask, how many children do you have? Well, I have two children, one living and one dead. Mm-hmm. And the one that didn't survive, it was because of a genetic problem. Mm-hmm. And it just, it comes so easily now. It didn't at first. It didn't at first at all, but now it just, it comes out so easily. And when you tell people about it, usually you will find that they share some type of a demise or someone they know, multiple people they know have had the same problem. I can fully admit that I am not at that point yet. Mm -hmm. This podcast is obviously helping me come to the come to the point where I'm able to say yes I have two children I have one that's sleeping in the other room and I have one that I lost at six weeks but maybe I haven't run into as many situations where I'm able to tell that Mm -hmm. but I know that it's going to take me a while to get there so to hear your 
to see to hear how comfortable you are with that and to know that it did take a long time and that's okay but now you're able to share that it just opens up other people like you said and so I pray and I hope that I am there someday but right now even like when I go in for my next annual exam or whatever I'm gonna have to put down how many pregnancies have you had did you have a miscarriage Mm -hmm. and I I can't even begin to imagine doing that and like bringing that back up and so that I so I hope and pray that through these and gaining strength from women like yourself, I will be able to get there someday. I will share with you, it, it's, a, it's a long, hard road of recovery. And even now, like ever since Everly was able to understand since about the age of two, you know, birthday parties mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. celebrations and you have an older sister. Yes, she has a birthday. And we're going to celebrate and let you pick out balloons and colors and themes with us because that's your thing and that's going to make her real to you. Um, That has helped us. But I I will tell you, you know, here I am in my third pregnancy and I made sure I got back my same OB. Everly, because she was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, if you ever need a high risk doctor, Dr. Wendy Hansen at UK is fabulous. Um, but I recently got the opportunity as a float pool nurse to go and work in labor and delivery. Oh. Just found out I was pregnant. Just found out. And here I am in working at doing tasks basically inserting IVs, getting labs mm-hmm. and things, helping these o- these nurses, um, OB nurses, get their patients ready. And a mother was sent in. The baby was not doing okay at the outside hospital, lower heart rate. They were very, very much concerned, had had multiple miscarriages in the past. Mm. And she was sent to the our hospital. And... I kid you not, I never realized how fast-paced OB was. Um, I've worked in the emergency department. I've worked in all these other places. But when they say we're going to the OR, they mean now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, literally put the ultrasound on, got the mom hooked up. Doctor said we're going to the OR. Baby's heart rate was like low 100s. Mm-hmm. And they had no idea oh, why. Man. And at the the outside hospital baseline heart rate was 130s. Took the patient to the OR. I thought it was going to take a moment. Within minutes, baby is being rushed to the NICU. Mm. And, you know, it was like I worried for that baby because they were a ghost baby, meaning they came out with an extremely low hemoglobin. Mm. The placenta had hardly any blood. And she had had many, many other miscarriages. And when the husband made it, because he didn't make it before she went to the OR, he said, I don't know what we're going to do if she loses this baby. I don't know why I was sent there that night. I don't know why I got to see those things. But... It resonates with me again and again and again that there are women out there that need to know that there are other women like them. Mm -hmm. 
there's going to be triggers. And even though this mother had other living children, every single loss hurts. Yes. Mm-hmm. Even though you have living children that need you, you still mourn the loss of your yes. child that you don't have in your arms. Mm-hmm. And so making Avery very real to Everly is extremely important for my husband and I and helping her to know that she is not alone Mm -hmm. right now you know we know we're in our third pregnancy and the doctor has told us just based on the ultrasound results there she knows that 50 percent chance we will not miscarriage Mm -hmm. there's still that other 50 percent and we we talk we're very honest with everly Mm -hmm. You have a baby sibling in mommy's belly, but they may or may not make it. But you're not alone. You have an older sister, and you have a baby brother or sister on the way. And just talking about it and realizing you're not alone and that there are people within the world that feel your pain, know your pain, experienced your pain, it helps so much. And if that's not the mission statement of our podcast I don't know what is we we have we do have a little motto that says your story no matter how big or small matters here because we our stories do run the gamut of my miscarriage at just six weeks and yours at 20 or those that have lost an actual like like one year old yeah and we have to give space to every single one of those stories because I know for myself and I've mentioned it many times and it's still part of my healing process. I tend to compare my story and say, Oh, I didn't have to go to the ER. Oh, it was just this or that. Um, and simple things like not acknowledging that, uh, is something I'm still working through, but hearing stories day after day, week after week reminds me that yes, my story matters. My loss is real. And so I, I repeat it in so many episodes because I want every single woman that is in my same place that says, oh, it was just this or that to put that language out of their mind because, Mm -hmm. um, it's something I have to remind myself on a daily basis. Your loss was real. So And it's okay. Mm -hmm. It's okay to have that pain. Yes. Mm -hmm. That father reminded me, yes, she had live children, but she'd had so many miscarriages in between. And this was like her fifth child that she was having. I'll never know if that baby made it or not. Mm. And my, I can only pray for the mama and the baby, but yes, we are allowed to grieve. Mm Mm-hmm. We are allowed to be upset. We are allowed to feel the loss of that child and to grieve and come through that process. Mm-hmm. Um, like we mentioned before, loss like this never has a resolution. Mm-hmm. There's really not an ending to it. Um, so whether or not it resolved, where would you say that you are now today? We're doing a lot better. We're doing a lot better. We're okay with it. We've come to terms. Both my husband and I know wholeheartedly that we were blessed with a beautiful baby girl. And she's just not with us. And it was absolutely not our fault Mm -hmm. that she's not with us. 
um we it's funny because my husband he initially just wanted to be okay with Everly but because of how successful and how wonderful she is Mm -hmm. he wants to try for more babies you know Mm -hmm. he wants to try to have a bigger family for her and to fill our home with joy and love and I know that that will happen no matter what this third pregnancy the outcome is Mm -hmm. I know that it will happen and I just encourage women you know if it's journaling if it's counseling Mm -hmm. if it's prayer groups if it's talking with others about your loss just finding a way to be comfortable with the fact that yes you've gone through this terrible thing but you've come out of it yes through the ups and downs and everything what would you say um that what would you say was the most surprisingly difficult part of it all that kind of maybe came out of left field and you weren't expecting it to be difficult yeah we were honestly surprised at how long it took us to recover from Avi. um like we honestly were not ready to start even thinking about having another child until I'd say probably three years after mm-hmm. Avery's loss um and then once we started, we were like, man, this is hard. Yes. <laughs> and any couple that goes through IVF, adoption, etc., those options are extremely expensive. Yes. Like when we looked at IVF, mm-hmm. when we looked at, you know, these extra tests, just the extra tests to qualify you for some of these things are extremely expensive and insurance isn't going to pay no for them Mm-mm. and so many women are just kind of like well I don't have any hope other than naturally conceiving and um I was just truly surprised because after we paid for like one or two tests out of pocket we were like that ain't gonna work um (laughs) we're just gonna have to do this the natural way and they put us on a schedule and it took a long time it took like two years to get pregnant with Everly and then we have been trying since Everly was about two and a half Mm. to get pregnant and we're in our third pregnancy we're at 10 weeks now um but she is just about four she'll be four in November So we've been trying for a long time, and honestly, um, you know, it came as a, I felt like I was pregnant every single month. Yes. but (laughs) We convince ourselves, don't we? We convince ourselves Uh we're pregnant every single month, but every single month the test was negative until this last time I tested, and I kid you not when I say it was positive, Jolene. Like, literally, as the urine was traveling up, <laughs> like, there was one positive line and there was another positive line. Like, I was like, I even told my husband, I was like, you did a really good job this time. <laughs> there was no question yes. in that stick uh-huh. of whether or not we were pregnant. Like, we were really, really pregnant. Yeah. But I was very surprised by how long it took. Yeah. I was also completely disappointed by the lack of communication with providers um uk went to epic i feel like two three years ago but 
the program that they had before, the geneticist couldn't even see that we had had a chorionic babilis sampling. So when he was examining Avi's body, he just, um, he had in his mind something that she had, but it had already been ruled out by genetic testing. Um, and then for us to go in for our postpartum appointment and the nurse asked us, oh. are you feeling the baby kick? Well, no, we're not feeling it. We're here because this is our postpartum. Oh. Or the doctor to say, oh, everything's inconclusive. You just don't have results yet. Oh, so frustrating. And they couldn't even give us a timeline when they were going to get those biopsy results back. You know, I mean, it was it was months after the fact. Mm-hmm. And we legitimately thought they already had the biopsies back because of that doctor mm-hmm. who had told us everything was inconclusive. So I was, I was very much um, disappointed by the lack of communication. Um, the fact that they couldn't see those things within the computer mm-hmm. where it was one side was hospital inpatient and one mm-hmm. side was clinical. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another side was lab. Like mm-hmm. It was like yep. they did not communicate. And if, if I had any piece of advice for women... Yes, what you're going through is absolutely awful. And you may have a crazy story like my own where you go in for one test, the doctor ends up nicking herself. You have to go in for more testing and more painful things. And then, you know, half of your placenta isn't coming out. And, oh, I didn't even tell you that. They didn't tell me when to expect for the placenta to come out. They didn't tell me what it was going to look like, feel like when the placenta did come out because they weren't sure that it would. They thought it, my body might absorb it. So I remember being in a patient's room and just, you know, like when you're having a baby, your body just has a mind of its own. Yep. It does what it wants to do. Uh-huh. All of a sudden, something fell out of me. I had to excuse myself from the patient's bedside, run to the bathroom, and here was this huge blood clot like we're talking size of a a a medium-sized football just like in my underwear oh my goodness I thought I was hemorrhaging and but God puts the right people in your pathway yes he does and that day there just happened to be a hot um, hospital administrator whose daughter had had a miscarriage and when she heard I needed to leave. I needed to leave now. And I didn't have time to give report to another nurse. Mm-hmm. She said, go. Mm. Take as much time as you need. Go home after. Don't worry. Mm. Just go. And even though we kept getting the runaround, even though our pathway to this horrible experience was up and down, up and down, up and down, God, every single day, puts someone in our pathway to ease the pain, to ease the anxiety, and to comfort us and tell us it was going to be okay. Like himself in human form. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Really. Um, what if... I, I like to imagine this. If you could go back to the Andre before she was even pregnant with Avery... 
before you knew any of the hardships that were going to come year after year after year down the road, what would you tell her? That it's going to be okay. Pregnancy for a healthy baby to come into this world. And we're like, there's so many people in this world. I know. They all got here somehow. They all got here somehow. <laughs> it should be easy to have a baby. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. And it's going to be okay if it doesn't happen. And something that I have thought about when we were having issues having Everly and IVF was just too much for us and I thought about adoption and what that might look like and there are so many children in this world that need a home and I know that if we were desperate enough and if we hadn't gone pregnant with Everly God would have found a way yes it would have happened um, and I even know of people who have had GoFundMe or benefits mm-hmm. yep. or things to help them be able to adopt children. And it's it's going to be hard. Motherhood is not easy. <laughs> Pregnancy, I know there's women out there that make it look beautiful, fabulous, <laughs> super, super easy. Um, but it's not. Don't look at those movies You're going to push more than three times before the baby comes out. It's going to be hard to get pregnant. It's going to be a struggle to carry the baby. But it's going to be okay. And it's going to be worth it. 100%. As we wrap up this emotional roller coaster Mm -hmm. of a story, um, it's hard to put things into boxes. I realize Mm -hmm. that. But if you could put the most difficult part of everything into just one piece what do you think that would be not having her Mm. not having her there to play with her sister not having her home with us like um I remember we did we didn't set up a, a nursery but we we knew we would need a larger place to live and having that room void was really hard. Um, just not having her with us was the most difficult part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, referring to stories like this as a roller coaster is very apropos because it's up and down constantly. Mm-hmm. And so, with this next question of trying to put yourself on a scale of one to 10, keeping in mind that those numbers fluctuate and change and some days are worse or better than others. So in terms of emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually, wherever you may be, where would you say you're on that scale today of one to 10? If 10 were like, you're doing absolutely perfect. I would say we're a nine. Mm, I love that. I would say we're a nine because life, honestly, with Everly and our family and just how well she's doing and her knowing that she's not alone. um, It's helped us a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's helped us in our acceptance of everything. They're, they're not called miracle babies for nothing. Exactly. Exactly. It's a miracle that she just exists. It's a miracle in part of your healing. 
Um, and I know that there are terms for babies. So like a baby born after a miscarriage is a rainbow baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm sure there's a term for Everly, like a baby born after a stillbirth. So I'll have to look into that and see what it is. You know, we've called her our rainbow baby. I haven't looked for, uh-huh. I thought she was just a rainbow baby. So if you were to come over to our house, you would see lots of rainbows. Oh. <laughs> and we've got a whole rainbow theme bathroom. And um, yeah, I would definitely call her a rainbow baby. Yes. I love that. <laughs> um, during this journey, you mentioned like certain ways that you got help through your family um, and relationships like that and through the medical help that you received. Were there other resources that helped you throughout this journey? You know, definitely. Um, there was one time in my life where I did receive counseling, and that is when my mother was on life support for Lou Gehrig's disease. Um, and I was actually a student at the time at Andrews University. And so I underwent counseling at that time. And a big thing that I could take away from that, because you can tell a therapist anything you want to to make them think everything is fine. Mm-hmm. But you get very raw when you yeah. actually write down your emotions. Mm-hmm. And so journaling has been a very big part of my life um, when you get a chance, because you don't have many opportunities of self-care and self yes. <laughs> to yourself with a toddler. <laughs> but... When you can, it's always nice to look back at your journals, mm-hmm. where you were and how far you have come. That's a huge part of healing. And then also, I would say music. Music is something um, that we use a lot in our marriage. Um, you know, you can be feeling really down and you can find a song to fit your mood. Yes. You can also lift your mood up with a song. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are just a very musical family. We love music. We enjoy it. And something that helped my husband in his grief, there was one particular song. Um, Christina Perry's a thousand, like I'll Love You a Thousand Years or something. Mm. Some I, I can't yeah. remember the exact title. Look it up, guys. <laughs> yeah, look it up. <laughs> But that song, he would play it on repeat Mm. for days and just cry. Yeah. Just cry. Now he can listen to this song because things are that much better. Mm. But um, music is something that helps us heal for sure in our house. That's just another beautiful thing that I see coming out of this podcast is the similarity in those resources. Mm-hmm. Um, journaling for me has also just been a huge part of my healing. Mm-hmm. I got a new journal when our first um, son was, our first baby was born. And so journaling th- like after his birth and just as he's growing and then the same day that I knew I was having a miscarriage, I went out and bought myself a new journal because I knew that this was going to be a pivotal point in my life. And so I know it, that doesn't always work for everybody, but if you're kind of on the fence about journaling, do it. Because like you said, it just takes a few minutes to get Mm -hmm. those thoughts out and that has just been, it's something I look forward to daily. 
um, like you said, when you do get the time, yeah. um, sitting down and letting your thoughts just go. Yeah. And mine is kind of a combination of here's what we did today and like my thoughts and my prayers. Because when I like actually kneel down and start praying, my mind starts going to my to-do list and everything. Yes. <laughs> and so my journal is kind of a way of talking to God as well. So I love that music is yours too. I've heard that from so many stories where... Mm-hmm. They were songs that they, that got them through that grief. So I love that that's coming out of this podcast is that people are finding similar ways to heal and resources. And even if you can't write, just looking back for a moment, oh yeah, I now remember this was going on in my life and I came out of that. Yes. I survived that. Mm -hmm. Just remembering I overcame this, it's going to be okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, we are wrapping up. Um, and before we do, I just want to, again, thank you so much Mm. for, um, knowing and realizing the importance of sharing your story because everybody has one. They all look different. Um, and it takes a certain strength to be one of the first ones to step up and say, yes, I want to share my story, even if it is just to help one person. So thank you for going through the hard process of writing out your story and then sharing it um, because I know I benefited from it and I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that so many others will benefit from it too. So thank you so much for that. You're welcome. You're so welcome. Um, And part of that benefiting is people reaching out. Um, Would you be comfortable with people saying, hey, I resonate with your story. I would love to talk to you. Would you be comfortable with that? I totally would. I totally would. Because I think that's a great way to heal. Mm -hmm. It's just letting people know someone else has been out there Mm -hmm. that has also experienced a loss. Great. Well, we will put some information in the show notes of how people can reach out to you. So thank you so much again for being here today. I appreciate this little talk and this further connection that we have and this deeper connection we have. So thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity.